This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Go Hayes, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live. It's like we haven't been on in a while. Well, we haven't. We've had the 4th of July coming off the weekend as we are getting closer to the All-Star break. So that means today you'll be hearing from your All-Star. That's right. Brent Rooker is going to be here today at 2.30. Sarah Langs, whose parents are at the first pitch with her, at Yankee Stadium, Sarah, a good friend of the program, obviously battling ALS. She will be here at 2 o'clock. And then Bobby Crosby, the manager of Midland, is going to be here at 1.30. The former Rookie of the Year is a lot to talk about, about his guys as how they doing. How does he view them? What are they ready for? That's what I want to know. What are they ready for? What are these guys ready for? Because here we are. It is July. It's July. And at some point, you're going to look at 24 and 63. And I know we just brought up a guy yesterday who's 36 years old. Young players are going to need to get an opportunity. And at some point, you're going to I, – I, I know how front offices feel – They feel, hey, games in August or games in September are enough. Not for me. I would like to see the most games possible for young players at this level to learn. Other teams have done it. Other teams have brought up guys from double-A already this year. Orioles has called up their number two prospect, Colton Kowser. How many guys have the Angels called up that are from double-A? Not triple-A, double-A. Well, I'll just break it down one step, one more layer for you. Uh, they have three guys from last year's draft on their team already. Last year's draft. Where are young guys? Let's go. Gallup's hot this month. Or has been I'm just hot telling you, year. I want to see the young guys. Let's go. What are we waiting for? Oh, Nick Allen's back. That's a young guy. Uh, but I got, I, I mean, I'm looking at my lineup today. I'm looking at the lineup. I don't see, you know. I don't see the young guys. So, at some point, need to see them, right? Or you're wasting valuable time on guys that are not a part of the future. Hate to say it. I need to start the show out because there is a beef going on right now between <laughs> me and the Milwaukee Mauler, the great Milwaukee Mauler, one of the great wrestlers of his time. I thought I was doing a very nice thing yesterday as we had 
three things going on in the postgame show for 4th of July, the clubhouse show. You may have heard of it. Taking your phone calls at 833-625-2278. And we had A's history on the 4th of July, baseball history on the 4th of July, and competitive eating, which we will get into as a San Jose State graduate. And Bill Walsh is right over here, another San Jose State graduate. Um, He may be the greatest Spartan of all time. And I'm going to take myself out of that conversation because I would not want to be in the conversation with this great American. He's an American hero. We will talk about that a little bit later. But for the baseball history, keeping it Bay Area, as everybody likes to keep it Bay Area, keep it 100, 100, I played Dave Rigetti, who's from the Bay Area. Last we saw of Rags, he's still with the Giants organization. But Dave Rigetti was a great pitcher in his time with the Yankees and then with the Giants. Was just a pitching coach for – was he the pitching coach for all three? Yes. Champion, so he just was a pitching coach for all three championship teams that the Giants had. I thought it was a feel-good story, right? Dave Rigetti is the only guy to throw a no-no on July 4th. So I played the highlight, Yankee Stadium against the Boston Red Sox. Kind of a big deal. And I wake up to this just coming down my road email of just hatred, of just July 4th hatred of the Milwaukee Mauler ripping me because I said, hey, listen, one of the biggest things about this no-no was that the last guy that Rags had to get out on that famous July hot fourth in the Bronx was Hall of Famer Wade Boggs. I mean, it wasn't like he had to get out, I don't know, we'll go to today's lineup, Javi Baez or Shea Langoliers hitting 204, or how about Aledmus Diaz hitting 202? This is Wade Boggs. Not Miguel Cabrera. By the way, Miguel Cabrera, I love in the notes today, Miguel Cabrera. He's hitting 348 last 20. Guy has not. The, What's hitting on the year? Uh, 248. Oh. But Miguel Cabrera, the previous 27 games, was hitting 169. It's not like 169, Mel, Miguel Cabrera, you got to get out in Milwaukee Mullen. Yes, was Wade Boggs early in his career? No question. But just to decide this and decide the hatred of 4th of July right now. Wade Boggs in 1983, because his argument is Wade Boggs hadn't played 200 200 career games yet. But Wade Boggs in 1983, future Hall of Famer, played in 153 games. Is that a lot of games? Yeah, that's almost a full season. Pretty much, yeah. Almost. I mean, 162, he took a couple days off. Yeah. Nine to be exact. He hit 361. Pretty good. I mean, we got a guy trying to hit 400 right now, and this guy's hit Wade Boggs in his young career hitting 361. 361. So the guy hits 361. You're telling me that's that's not a big deal that you got him out for the final out of the no-no. I think Milwaukee Mauler owes me an apology. Oh, I don't know if you'll get it. If you if you if you do get one, he'll. Send I want it. a cage match. He'll send it to me on Twitter. I want a I want a cage match slash ladder match slash retirement match with the Milwaukee Mauler. There's only one. Whoever way to, loses retires. There's only one way to settle this. Or get out of town match. 
well, there, if you really want to settle this, and I sent you guys the video the other day, Mahler would know because he's a wrestler. There's only one way to finish a rivalry, and it's hell in a cell. Hell in a which one was that? That was Undertaker Mankind, where Mankind got thrown off the top. That's what you guys need to do. What about when Mankind got thrown through the, the fence? Same match. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm in. I mean, 360. Just refresh my memory. How many Oakland A's of it? 361? Uh, not many. I'm. Can you name me one? Oakland A's? Oakland A. No, because only here's a stat for you. Only one Oakland A's player has ever had 200 hits in a season. Who am I? I'll go with Miguel Tejada. Correct. That's the only oh. one. It's the only one. See, the difference is between Cody will read stuff and then tries to – I hadn't seen that. Actually, actually it was part of the, uh, the the immaculate grid. It was 200-hit A season. There you go. Only one Oakland Right here. A. I went, All right here. I went double X, but – Jimmy Fox? Because you could do any, you could do any athletic. Well, that's how you said Oakland A. Yeah, he was Todd is the only Oakland A to ever do it. Yeah, and then it was A's two hundred hit season, so I went double X. And you're wrong. Well, he he had two hundred double hits. X. Yeah, two hundred hits since yeah. Oh. So, have you given Amy an A at three sixty one? No, no. Ricky's never done it. I don't know. No, not close. What, I mean, what's the Tahad at the year he had two hundred hits? Not even close. Not even close. Miguel Tejada. 361. Miguel Tejada the year he hit, had 204. I'd say he had 204 hits in 2002. He hit 308. <laughs> I mean, how many guys in the modern You got Gwynn. You got Todd Helton. I think Larry Walker did it. I mean, both those guys did it in Colorado. Um, probably Rod Carew. 360 and above, Wade Boggs. I mean, this is select company. Yeah, I mean, because I, I, I was reading something about Luis Arise, and there's only been three players since Ted Williams hit 400 that had 240 hits or more in a season. That's what Luis Arise would need. He needs to have 240 hits and like 600 at-bats to get to 400. Well, all you have is, is George Brett is the only guy to hit 390 or above in a full season. Yep, and that was in 1980? 1980, hit 390. Tony Gwynn in the strike shortened season, and to give Tony credit, he was hot. And if you took, like, they have a stat from year to year, from, like, what from where he was to that point last year, he was hitting, like, 400. But he ended at 394. That's it. Very, 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 very few people hit for this high of average. And by the way, do not get me started on that show on MLB Network that actually threw out the question, if he hits 400, is he a Hall of Famer? Oh, yeah, I sent that to you. <laughs> this is the same show that was talking to Brandon Marsh, and they were talking about, um, God, shortstop, free agent, just signed, Trey Turner. Mm. They are just talking about the – so Trey Turner, they don't dump water on him after the game if he does something when he's doing an interview – they slowly pour it. Okay, that's bizarre, but all right. So it's not the douse you with water, it's slowly pour it. Is he afraid to get, like, an air infection? Or? I have no idea, but, like, the I'm not going to mention her name, who's, but she's the one that was, I don't even know if I brought this up on the show. I've done the experiment. Like, who are you actually, I said we, we're in a midlife crisis in baseball, where... This broadcaster, she says to him, so what's up with your new celly? 
The new celly. Do you know what the new cell? Not your cell phone. Not your celly. Yeah, I, I assume celebration. It's your celebration. I'm, I'm, I'm millennial, not Gen Z. So. so I brought my kids in, right? Teenagers who are know everything TikTok, Instagram, Taylor Swift, fashionistas. Are they Gen Z or Gen Z or Gen Alpha? I don't know. I brought them in and I played it for them. I'm like, because obviously this isn't for me. I am your target audience. So I brought in you. Obviously, you're trying to play to a different audience, right? I brought in my kids. My my kids go, Dad. No one talks like that. So I'm like, they're not playing to you, your age group. They're not playing to me. My teenage daughter thinks it's stupid. Who are they playing with? The Selly. And then asking a question if Louisa Rice hits 400. It's like baseball doesn't know who they're advertising to. And it's like you got all these companies. I don't even want yeah, Bud Light is probably the greatest example, and that's very controversial. I really don't want to get into that. But Bud Light has lost. Oh, my God. I mean, who are you advertising to? Who, who's your base? Who are you? I can tell you, the people watching MLB Network are not the people who go, what's up with your new celly? I can't even. That's I, with the crowd of. I, I'm so stoked about today's pitching matchup. I'm so stoked. I, I can't. Well, I can't. Like we're Valley Girls from the '80s now. I don't have MLB Network, so I can't watch. But I see the clips on Twitter, and that's how I see it. But is it unbelievable what they're doing? I'll answer the question for you. No, Luis Arias should not be in the Hall of Fame if he hits 400. It's a great. It's an, an incredible feat. But we're not putting him in the Hall of Fame for that. No. No, you don't get directly. You don't get. Ushered directly into the Hall of Fame. Now, if you hit 405 years in a row and get 3,000 hits, yeah, you're probably going to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> but if you do it just one time, I mean, I mean, Ted Williams, believe it or not, Ted Williams actually had a good career after he hit three, hit 400 in the season. Uh, he hit 406 to be exact. He had a great year. He had a great couple years after that. Yeah, he actually fought in some wars, too, for yeah. his country. Two different times he left for military. And then, uh, of course, Ted Williams has one of the greatest final years of a player of all time. It's hard to believe he even retired after the year that he had. I want to really, you know, I'm just joking. Milwaukee Mahler and I are good. That was just uh, a little theater here. I want to praise J.P. Sears. That's how I really want to start the show. Because in a year when you don't get a lot of run support, and even though there's the crowd that doesn't think that wins matter, But you know what? To a starting pitcher, to the players, it does. It's funny how it matters to the players, but it doesn't matter to the people who don't play. I always find that funny, but it is what it is. It matters to them. It matters to him. And it matters how many innings. And it matters how many starts. Because these guys got pride. You're going to hear it from Brent Rooker here in just a little bit. And looking at yesterday... It's been tough for a guy like J.P. Sears because he's not getting a whole lot of run support. In fact, he had been getting zero run support. But he keeps going out there and battling. And when we talk about, from an A's perspective, about what you need to find, because right now I'm in fact, I'm like Indiana Jones. Did that come out yesterday? Coming over the weekend. It's apparently number one moving country right now Harrison Ford is how old and he's still playing Indiana Jones I think he's in his late 70s um, don't let me overshoot his age or or undersell what his age is he's 80 he's 80 still playing Indiana he came out Indiana Jones Indiana Jones came out when I was a kid 80s right and he's still playing Indiana Jones that is just incredible I'm like Indiana Jones 
I'm out there trying to find the Holy Grail. I don't know what he's trying to find this time around. Last Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. So we need to find players. And J.P. Sears has proven to be somebody that we can really say, I see him as of right now as a part of the solution versus the part of the problem. Because that's what you need to do in business. You need to find the solutions. What are the solutions? What are the problems? Well, I can give you a whole lot of problems. I'm looking at the lineup right now. J.P. Sears is one of the solutions. Actually, he might be the number one solution so far that we have found this year. Think about that. Because immediately a lot of you are going to go, what about Ruiz? You know what? Ruiz isn't hitting. Ruiz has dropped down to 255. And that this was, this was what you feared with old Esty. Este Uri Ruiz is what happens if he doesn't hit. Where, where do we go from there? Because he's a free swinger. And it was brought to my attention, hey, listen, Ruiz has some, there are some things that you're, you're there's some things about Ruiz you're not going to love. I was told this by a scout, but if you loved everything about him, he would have never been made available to you. It's a great point, and I can tell you that great point was made by the legend, A's legend, A's scout legend, A's pre- and post-game live, fanciest-dressed man, the great Shooty Babbitt said it to me. Because I'm somebody that I'm looking at Ruiz every day, and I'm evaluating him. Like, how good can this kid be? What is he great at? What is he not? Well... There are some things that you love about Ruiz. You love the fact that this kid hits with runners on. He's got really good hands. That's why you've been able to see him go foul pole to foul pole. He's got really good hands. He's very talented. But then there's other things that you look at and you just go, wow, that's bad. Like his defense. Like sometimes his plate discipline. Like in extra innings when he tries to bunt and he misses all three and strikes out with a runner already in scoring position. There's just dumb things that go on. And he's not a young player. He's 24 years old, but he's played more games than a kid who would have been a first-round pick coming out of college at 24 years old. Ruiz is blown by him in games played. He has played a lot of games for a guy his age, professional games. There are things to like, and then there's the what happens if he doesn't hit? Well, look how everything just whoo. On base percentage right now is 308 for your leadoff hitter. Not good. Uh, OPS is 635. Not good. OPS plus is 84. That's below league average. And the average is just going down. Now, you got stolen bases, which is great. So when he does get on, but his pace, we are trending in the 80s. Pace now is at 78. Still fantastic, still unbelievable, but, you know, the key is, and it, Ricky Henderson said to Dave Stewart, so forget what I think. What about Ricky Henderson? Ricky Henderson needs to see him take more pitches. Ricky Henderson needs to see him get more walks. 
Ricky Anderson doesn't want him to be such a free swinger. I don't know when we're going to get Ricky around and Ricky can talk to him, but that was Ricky's strength, was that Ricky wasn't a hack free swinger. Ricky Henderson had patience. Ricky Henderson knew he would get pitches from certain guys because they didn't want to walk him because they knew if they walked him that he would steal second and if not steal third. So he would get pitches, but bring up Ricky's walks. Just to give you an example of how much Ricky Henderson plate discipline played in this man's great career of what, 25 years? Uh, Ricky played, uh, Ricky. Is it 25? 25 years. 25 years. How many walks? In his career, he had 2,190 career walks. He had over 2,000 walks, man. 2,000 walks. Ruiz has 14 this year. It's hard to walk him. Now, I don't want to take the hit tool away from him, but there are things that you're going to need to see from a growth standpoint to, for me to say, because right now J.P. Sears has elevated himself to the number one story. I got a guy who's tough. Dave Stewart says he loves how he pitches with guts. He's given me innings. He's given me hope. J.P. Sears has given me something that I know next year. You know what? I want to see the second half. I want to see him compete and battle. But right now, I'm pretty high on J.P. Sears. You've got to have somebody who gives you innings and gives you a chance at winning. He's a 314 ERA over his last 10. And Ruiz would probably be number two with Noda being third. Noda, game-winning RBI there, winning a game where you only have two hits. <laughs> Pretty impressive. So, but Ryan Noda still leads the American League, leads the American League in walks. I know Ryan Noda has got the mature eye. Ryan Noda also has the hit tool, but he doesn't use it enough. Ryan Noda's got to figure out the hit tool because we're going to sit here and go, God, I love you walking, but you're hitting 230 in that OPS. The walks are great, and they're going to keep your OPS up there, kind of a float. But the more you don't hit and you take offers and you take strikeouts, it starts to – because you saw at one point Ryan Noda got it up to 250 because he was hitting. And next thing you know, the OPS soared to way over 800. But he's not hitting. He's got the hit tool. He has the ability to drive the baseball. So if I had to rank him right now, and that ranking could change, but the three guys that you say, okay, they give me hope. It's J.P. Sears, it's Ruiz, and it's Noda. And I'm taking right now, after yesterday's outing, after what he's done now in his last four starts, as how we see him improve. We're seeing... Here's the difference. We are seeing J.P. Sears get better as the season goes. We're not seeing Ruiz and Noda get better. They have done some things that's impressive. Ruiz is leading baseball and stolen bases. Noda is leading baseball or American League and walks. He's one of the tops, and he's been pretty good defensively. But they've regressed as they start to go on. The numbers, you know, they're not hitting as much, both of them. 
J.P. Sears is the one player on this roster who's young and who has gotten better right in front of our eyes. Is there any debate over this? No, like I said, over his last 10, J.P. Sears is a 3-1-4 ERA. If you go, just go by the runs he gave up over those 10, the only bad starts he had was against Philly and against the Yankees. Here we go. But the Two. Yankees start wasn't – it was going okay. Yeah, and then, you know, it kind of – unravel them but two runs two runs one run one run one run two runs four runs against philly two runs against cleveland seven uh, five against the yankees and then obviously last night seven and a third scoreless i hey i i, I it, who, who else who else is going to help him i mean where are we at with ken waldachuk we're still in the oh my god mode i mean ken waldachuk has what the third highest era right now the, yes i believe that's what six point seven eight James Caprellian can't count on him. He went. He's hurt again. I mean, you start looking around, going, "Okay, who who's a part of the future here?" I mean, you're going with Austin Pruitt today as an opener. I understand. And then Ken Waldachuk's going to come in. Hogan Harris, jury's still out. You can like him, but I do, you haven't seen enough to say you can count on him. I mean, as a pitcher, other than. J.P. Sears. You got 13 of them. Is there anybody you could say, aha? So there's one J.P. Sears. You got 12 other guys. Older guys don't count because they will not be here long term. So you're taking Blackburn out? Yeah, Blackburn. Okay. I, mean, I, I mean, like there, Blackburn. I mean, he's like the same age as Cap. I mean, Blackburn's about to be 30. I don't think Blackburn's going to be here in four or five years. Probably not, no. I mean, J.P. Sears may not be here, but at least he's get J.P. Sears can bridge me to the next generation, right? Who else on the pitching staff? Um, right now, I mean, Jerry's still out of Medina if he's a starter or a reliever. What his electric Jerry's arm. way out on Medina. Yeah. We don't know. what He might be better as a, a middle to, you know, high, I don't know if you want to say high leverage yet, but he has the arm to be a guy like that. But is he a starter? Don't know. Uh, Fuji, uh Medina. Well, Medina's a starter until further notice. I mean, he's not. You're not going to put him in the oh, as of right now, yes. bullpen category. Um, I'm just saying maybe long-term that's something that could. Are you going to give me the ultimate winner, Shintaro Fujinami? I was just going to say five wins? he has more wins than uh, the reigning NL Cy Young winner, Sandy Alcantara. I, wanted to, I, wa- I want to be on the record here that I threw out a text yesterday to one of the heads of marketing, and I did not get a response. That what are you going to do when Shintaro Fujinami gets double-digit wins? This guy is the ultimate vulture. <laughs> now, what does that mean? Okay. So, something happened to the prey down on the road. Something. I don't know how the prey is now dead on the road or injured. But the vulture does what? Swoops in and circles. As they swoops in, too. And this, is, this is coming from my old pitching coach, by the way. He used to call them vulture wins. You circle. You're up there circling, and there's that wind down there struggling. You come down, you come down, and you swoop in, and you get that win. So, basically, Shintaro comes in, bang, three outs, does his thing. Team comes in next inning and wins. He gets the W. He's the king of the vulture win. I respect it. He's hunting wins. What are we going to do as an organization when Shintaro gets his 10th win? Hey, 
Let's face it. George from Daily City, who has me doing Japanese words in the postgame show. Have you noticed that? Yes. We've been learning Japanese. I did the – so I have a deal with George and Daily City. Every single time Fuji pitches in a win, I will do a word of the day. Yesterday I did the word for celebration. I can't remember what it was. Oiwa, oi. Oiwai. There you go. You'll be able to hear it. Ready? Here is the Japanese word for celebration. Do you hear that? Uh, kinda. Right. Where is the speaker? Is it down here? It's on the bottom. Where is it? Should be down on the bottom here. They're right there. Oey. Yeah. All right. Oey. So I did Oey in the postgame show yesterday. Celebration in honor of the great winner Shintaro Fujinami. More wins than Sandy Alcantara. Did you see that coming? He's got more wins than how many great starters this year? Alec Manoa, who's coming back. One of, the, one of the funniest things that I've seen on Twitter in a long time, I don't know who put it out, but I had to laugh, and it's cruel. I'm just going to – no offense. No, but now you're going to offend him. No offense. I didn't offend him. I just saw this on Twitter where they said um, Alec Manoa is coming back to be one of the pitchers in Home Run Derby. <laughs> I saw. Yeah, I did see that too. Yes. <laughs> hey, he pitched well in Double A's. Sorry, he had ten strikeouts. He's pitching on Friday for the, the Jays. Oh my God! I was like, I was like, man, that that is. But it's good to see him back because I thought that was tough. I mean, you, here's a guy that was obviously very one of the highly sought after pitchers with the Toronto Blue Jays, very successful, and all of a sudden you're sending him down to spring, not your spring training facility. Yeah. To get him in shape. Yeah, he didn't pitch well there either. That he, is, but he didn't double A, though. That is a uh, that is a bad look, my friend. So he comes back when? Friday. So you're going to bring him back for one start before the All-Star break? Yeah, I guess the Jays need him. Well, when we ask the man who's our manager in double A. You mean the former rookie of the year? Yeah, he's here. Is he here? Bobby Crosby's here? The manager of Midland? How are you? Wonderful. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are doing real well. Uh, Bobby, I got to think you got to be having a blast with all these young players that you got and some guys that I know we talked about at spring training, but, I mean, you got some real good players right now. It's exciting baseball there for you guys. Yeah, we got some talented guys. I mean, they uh, they had their growing pains a little bit at the beginning. Uh, obviously, the way I like things done, uh, maybe they weren't a little bit used to, but talent-wise, these guys are – off the charts and uh you know spend the last three months with them they they know what i expect now and uh the talent is showing uh they're going about things the right way in my opinion um so it's yeah it's a fun team to be around yeah talk to us about that because it's kind of uh there's a way to play this game it's an old school way it's a way that you learn a lot of us like to call it the oakland a's way well, yeah. I mean, I mean, my uh, my go-to, I guess, is is when they get to the big leagues, Kotz is going to want it a certain way. I mean, I went to Long Beach. He went to Fullerton. Uh, <laughs> you know, we 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 kind of you know we had that rivalry, but it was a it's a sense of playing, you know, I guess playing the game the right way, busting your butt, doing things um, for the team, not just yourself. Um, if you hit a ground ball, it's it's running the ball out hard. If you pop it up, I expect you to bust it down the line. Um, there's certain things that I think young guys coming to pro ball and and it can be an individualized thing where they're looking at their stats or they want to you know, do it for them. 
But, you know, when they get to the big leagues, they're going to have to to be team guys because the main thing there is winning. So I want to teach them how to win here. So when they get to the next level and then to the big leagues, it's already ingrained in them. You know, when we think about double A and now we know triple A that the numbers are just crazy because of weather and altitude and dry air and desert. And we don't know if hitters are this good or the pitchers are that bad. But when you talk about double a midland it's obviously more of a regular game what do you think we've seen other organizations who recently i mean we talk about the angels the angels got a couple guys that they drafted last year up in the big leagues the jump from double a to the big leagues what would you what do you think about that right now if you were to say some of your guys could they just skip triple a and play for the oakland athletics uh yeah i mean i think lawrence butler definitely could um you know double a is a lot like the big leagues and it was true when i was playing and it's true today that the the maybe the most talent is here and then in triple a you know guys are a little bit more polished maybe um but lawrence butler is a guy that you know doesn't matter how hard the guy's throwing how nasty he is um he's gonna hit the ball and he's gonna hit it hard um he does the you know he has that little special trait about him that he has that six tool and it's his brain uh he's a smart kid but when, you know, when it gets tough or in late in the game, he can step up. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, if I were to pick one guy right now that can go in, in Oakland right now and compete and do a pretty darn good job, it'd be Lawrence. Now you got to see what he did in spring training and fired everybody up. I mean, it was like this kid is something special. Has, has this simply, because I'm looking at his numbers right now, has he si- simply just carried what he did in spring training to what you guys have now? Yeah. Yeah. And he had a little lull there for probably about three weeks or so where he went down a little bit and now he's picked it back up. He's the type of kid who likes the limelight. He likes uh, people watching him play. Um, So I wasn't surprised with what he did uh, in spring training. I had him in the fall league this past fall. He did the same thing there when, when the lights are on and when people are watching and paying attention, he can, he has that ability to step it up. And um, he has to find that at times throughout a regular season, especially in Midland, Texas, where, there's not a whole lot of people checking us out every night, but um, he has to find that inner drive to, to keep it going. And he's found that recently where he's um, he's putting on a show and he does it almost every night. I, I, I kind of like that. I do like bright lights go on. Player plays big. I know people like consistency and they want you to do it no matter what the situation is. But as we know, if you're going to be a star in this game, you got to play when the bright lights are on, and no one ever complained about Reggie Jackson doing it. So, I mean, as a manager, right, don't you kind of love – I love a guy that's got that in him. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge. I'd rather have that than than the opposite for sure. I mean, he, he wants to be up in a big situation. He wants people watching him. He wants to impress, and um, and he does all those things. Yeah, so I definitely love having you know him up in the ninth inning, eighth inning. When, it, when the game's on the line, if he's up, I'm – I'm good. And he showed up the past week where he, he had some big hits for us and hit a walk off and he uh he shines the brightest when the lights are on. And I just think about his year. I'm looking at doubles, I'm looking at triples, I'm looking at a ton of hits. He's stealing bags. I, I mean, what doesn't he do? I don't know. Um he 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 does everything really well. Um he he has good speed, he has good baseball instincts. Um, he can get to any pitch. He has a quick bat. He can hit for power. Um, he can bunt. He does everything really well. I mean, 
I wish I could give you one thing that he really doesn't do well. And, and I, and I really can't, I mean, for, for him, it's more just being maybe helping other guys. I mean, he has such a, a talent that I've encouraged him to help every guys. And if you hit a ground ball, I expect you to run as hard, you know, almost as hard as you can, unless you know you're out, but just a little small things um, that I've, I've been hard on at the beginning of the year. And now he 100% does. There really isn't one part of his game. I look at right now and go, you know what? He's really got to be a little more polished here. Um, He's doing on all levels. And I'm sure before it's all said and done, he's, he's going to make, you know, an impact there, whether it's this year, but next year, probably most likely. Did you get to tell him that he was going to the Futures game? No, no. Ed Sprague uh, gave, him a, okay. gave him a call and told him. So, he's, uh, you know, I wouldn't put it past him if he had a homer or did something amazing in that game because he's, he's built for that. How big is that for, like, that Tyler Soderstrom? I mean, we saw it last year with Langoliers. How big is that for them to go to this game? Uh, I guess it's just affirmation on on how, you know, how good they are on, on their talent. I mean, Lawrence is a guy who knows it anyway. He knows he's good. He knows he's going to be a big leaguer, um, which almost all big leaguers have that inside them. But he knows he's going to be really good for a long time. So when you get invited to something like that for for Lawrence, I'm sure it's just more affirmation that I'm I'm really good at this game and I'm a future star. And that's that's where he's supposed to be. All right. So so my former teammate at San Jose State is uh, Denzel Clark's agent, and he tells <laughs> me Denzel Clark. He is a no-brainer, absolutely loves him. Take us through his year. We didn't get to see him so much in spring training because he was in the World Baseball Classic with Team Canada. Tell us about <laughs> Denzel Clark. Uh, this is a fact, not over-exaggerating. He's the best athlete I've ever seen live. Ever seen? In a baseball uniform, for me, live, I've never seen a better wow. athlete. Um, he runs down balls like, I mean, umpires, other players are like, this guy should be a you know receiver in the NFL. I mean, he scales walls. He, he does things that aren't, aren't normal for a baseball player to do. Um, so 100% he's the best athlete I've been around in baseball. Um, with that, you know, baseball kind of came a little bit late to him. So it's something where just the baseball knowledge and the little small skill sets in baseball are things that he's just building up and growing. Um, he's not completely there yet. He's raw, but to see a guy with that talent and still have great numbers here um, off elite pitching, he's only going to get better. I mean, if you have that type of athleticism and then once he gets all those little small baseball things that become more natural where he, where he doesn't have to think about it, uh, the sky's the limit for him because I haven't seen anything like it. Well, I guess my buddy wasn't lying to me then. No, no, he's 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 going to be really good, and I can't wait for him just to keep growing. I'm telling you, if 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 he can continue the growth that he that he has over the past year that I've seen him, um, within a year it's going to be something. And I, I'm telling you, you're, I mean, you're going to see this guy do stuff that people do not do on a baseball field. Do I mean, you, it's. Do you think it's but, one of those deals that? Once the light turns, it's just the light will turn on. Like at some point, it just happens in every single sport where you know the guy's got everything, but it's just not there yet. And that light turns on and poof. Is that where we're at with him? I I think we're getting to that point. I mean, there's going to be adjustments with his swing that he'll probably have to make from time to time. Um, And it's, you know, facing, you know, facing different pitchers and what to expect and what's your approach. Uh, Those are the small things that I'm talking about. And, and I think that is, that's not so much a light coming on. That's just something playing more baseball 
over time you end up developing that. Um, but to what you're saying, there is a sense of once he gets that and once he gets that down and he can just go out and play um, like he does here on most nights, it's, it's something different. It's, he has a different gear, a different level um, than, than most guys and, and anybody that I've, that I've taught so far. We get a lot of people on this show who cover the minor leagues. They love Brett Harris. They just love him as a player. How much do you love Brett Harris? Love him. Baseball player. Um, He's a guy that, you know, I talk about Long Beach and and Cotswold Florida. He's a guy that would, you know, he fits that mold. Uh, You know, you throw a fastball, hit a line drive to right. You hang a breaking ball, hit a homer to left. He'll bunt at any time. Uh, He knows where everybody should be on the field. He knows what everybody should be doing. He doesn't have to worry about himself because he's that smart. Um, he's a true, true baseball player. Nothing gets by him. Um, every situation, he's ahead of it. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, he'll be a leader in, in any clubhouse he's in. He's a leader in here. Guys respect him, knows he goes about his work the right way. Uh, he does everything, everything you would ask of a baseball player. And he's just a super smart guy um, who who knows the game inside and out. How far away do you think he is? Um, you know, other than that, not being my call, I mean, he's, he's there. I mean, he, you know, defensively, he's 100% there. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, the power numbers haven't come along this year as much as, you know, I thought they would. Um, but the line drives are there. Uh, you know, Midland's not the easiest place to hit. Uh, I'm not giving him a built-in excuse there, but, um, he hits balls hard. He does, you know, I mean, he's a type of guy that I don't, I don't know, how much else he could do to say, Hey, I'm, I'm a polished baseball player. Cause he already is. He's super polished. He's, he gets it on every level. Um, and you know, he's, he's uber talented. So I, I, I just think it's a matter of whenever they feel he's ready to get to go to triple a and then the big leagues, I think that's inevitable, but I don't know what point that'll be. Obviously. I love that you say it's hard to hit there because that's what I want. Cause I, I can evaluate that. I can't evaluate Vegas. I mean, yeah. everybody looks like Mickey Mantle and Ted Williams and Barry Bonds. I mean, how do you evaluate? I mean, Sky Bolt had these unbelievable – nothing against Sky Bolt, nice kid. But he came up with these numbers, and you're like, he's not going to do that at the big league. So, at least we're getting a true measure of what these guys are in Midland. And there, that's why, Bobby, there's been times when, like, I was seeing, like, Kyle Moeller, and I'm like, is it really better to send him back? To AAA, if you want to fix somebody to send them to a place that's a bandbox and the ball's flying out, or would it be better to send a guy to Midland where it more is like real baseball? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to scout or, or judge someone's talent on that. If you had a pop up and it's going out, you know, uh, in Midland, it's it's fair. I mean, it's fair to more of a pitcher's park. I mean, the wind blows in. Um, these guys are hitting balls that that would be out of most MLB ballparks. And I, and I try not to let them have those excuses. Hey, you know, get a line drive. That's that's the way you got to play the game. But I mean, Lawrence Butler, I believe he has 10 home runs. I mean, if he's playing in a different park, it's a lot more than that. Um, But, you know, these guys grind through it and know that's what they're given. But overall, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a true judge on numbers wise on what a guy can do. You're not getting too many cheapies in, in Midland or, or even across this, this league. Most of them are are, are very pitcher friendly. Uh, you're around the big club, so you'll know this. When Cole Irvin was traded, it was like, oh no, you know, because we all love Cole. Cole came on this show a bunch, and he was the one guy that you knew was going to take the ball. He was going to hopefully give you 30 starts. He was going to sniff 200 innings, 
and then all of a sudden he gets traded, and it's like, oh, my God. But Daryl Hernandez, I look at the record. I mean, he wasn't at that time considered this great prospect for the Orioles, but the Orioles have a lot of good prospects. They've been building there. Uh, I look at his numbers, I, whether I'm looking at the OPS, batting average, you name it, uh, playing middle infield for you. What do we got there? Because the numbers look pretty special. He rakes. He absolutely rakes. Um, crazy uh, hand eye. Um, he could he could look like he's out in front and still get the barrel to it. Uh, quick bat. He swings hard. You almost think like, dude, you got to ease up because he he looks like he's trying to crush the ball every time. Um, but he hits the ball hard. You know, almost every single time he's up. I mean, he uses all fields if they if they pitch him away he'll go that way um he'll stay up the middle uh as a hitter very very polished very um he knows what he's doing he's a smart young kid um and then the defensive side is something that he has truly busted his butt on um from day one obviously you know he gets me as a manager um and he said he was excited about it yeah i think i think he hated me truly hated me for the first month or so um, and he said, you know, he was kind of, you know, taken aback because I wasn't going to let anything slide because his defense definitely was behind his hitting. Um, his first steps weren't there. Knowing where to be on every on every, uh, on every play wasn't there. And he is now, I mean, he was in my office every single day and we just watched games together and, and we'd, you know, watch what the shortstop did and watch the first steps. And he has applied it. I mean, I, I haven't seen a guy really make, you know, biggest steps as he's made in the last two months. His first steps are great. His hands are great. Um, he has turned himself in a shortstop. I thought maybe we couldn't keep him a short, but how he's done this last month, he's a guy who can play a big league shortstop. Um, he he really has all the tools for it. And his bat is, is like I said, it's, it's pretty special. He's going to hit at any level. Well, attention to detail. And that's why I love what you're doing down there. That's called coaching. I mean, Ron Washington, when he was in town, he comes on the program and we talked to Wash, you know, all these years when he worked with Marcus. I mean, look at all the infielders for the Braves now going to the All-Star game. It's attention to detail every single day. Little things, because little bad things lead to dumpster fire. Little good things lead to greatness. And you got to do those things every single day, and I love hearing that. On the pitching side, you got guys that the A's have trade for. I think of Estes here, Cusick. Tell us what you got pitching-wise. Yeah, Cusick has, has made a huge turnaround. I mean, last year he was a little erratic with his fastball and, and even his off-speed stuff, and he's he's found it. Um, you know, credit to the, the pitching staff on that. He's found out where he's spotting up with his stuff, um, and that's the biggest thing for me. He had he would have, you know, an inning or two last year where he just would completely lose it, and, and it hurt him, um, obviously, with his ERA, and it, and, and it hurt the team. And um, – and his mental state, but he went to you into the fall league and he pitched really good in the fall league. And then this year it's been a completely different person. I can't tell you rhyme or reason for it, but he hits his spots. He competes. He wants to stay out there. Um, he has a different vibe about him. You know, maybe some guys come over here and it could be a little, you know, getting traded or getting moved. It could be a little bit different. Um, and maybe that was, you know, part of the reason, but for him, he's stepped it up this year. I mean, he's, he's at the verge of being really, really, really good. Um, and he, you know, he has been great for us this year and Estes is, this guy is awesome. I mean, just, he's entertaining. He is the most energetic, like he's, he's, he's a wild man. He's crazy. He runs off the field every time. Uh, 
I haven't been around too many competitors like him, except for like in the big leagues. Uh, Tim Hudson was an ultra competitor, and but he was a different way how he did it. Uh, Joey doesn't want to give up a walk, a hit, a run, give up anything. And if he does, he's ticked, but he handles it the right way. Um, his stuff is really, really, really good. But I just love how he handles himself and what he expects out of himself and how he works. Um, he's a guy that when you watch him pitch, it's like, you know, you got your money's worth for the ticket. Uh, he's super entertaining and, and fun to be around. Let's end on this. I know you got to go. Um, I've had conversations about you up here. And there is a lot of belief that there is no question that you will be a big league manager someday, maybe a big league manager for the Oakland Athletics. Uh, for you, what has changed? What have you learned? And what is different about you now than when you first started? First start as a coach? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say there's a lot except for just learning the game more. I mean, there's, there's always different personalities that you're going to get. Um, I, you know, you talked about wash, uh, a lot of the stuff I do came from him. Uh, it's a passion. It's about the players. It's not about myself. I had my time playing. Um, that was great. Now it's about them. So I pour everything into them and what, what do they need? It's not about what I need. Um, and I've tried to do that from when I first started coaching, um, managing, there's always, you know, there's different facets of the game, uh, the running game, which I really didn't have to worry about, um, as a shortstop that. That I've, that I've learned um, and you get different personalities. Last year we had a tight knit group that knew each other because there was a lot of repeat guys. And this year we've had, you know, uber talented guys come up but they weren't a part of that same group. So it's how do we form these guys into all believing the same thing and being under the same same umbrella and, and believing in each other. So there's always certain different things that, that are gonna come up that are gonna help me grow as a coach. Um, but, you know, Whatever happens with with me coaching wise, that's great, and I would love to to coach in the big leagues and manage in the big leagues, and I think that'd be a blast. Um, but in the in the interim, I'm I'm pumped just being watching these guys kind of step up the next level. Like I talked about her and I, seeing him go from here to here, that's that's what gets me going. Yeah, though you know that one of the number one things that I learned all these years from Bob Melvin and doing the Bob Melvin show for God, I don't know what eight years or whatever it was, and getting to know Bob real well. Was, yeah, we can talk about X's and O's and we can talk about baseball, but the manager, you've got to deal with the players, you've got to deal with the men, you've got to deal with the issues, you've got to deal with the stuff that happens away from the field. Sometimes you're a father figure, sometimes you've got to be the guy that kicks him in the butt, sometimes you have to be there for a hug. You know, we talk so much about the baseball side, but what a lot of people don't understand is what the new school manager, because Bob didn't get Sparky Anderson wasn't doing this stuff for you (laughs) for Bob Melvin back in the day. But you need to care about these players and you need to care about their well-being. And that's something that I learned from Bob. And I'm sure that's something that you've had to learn. That's everything. I mean, that is, you know, uh, I think I have a pretty good, pretty good grasp on the guys inside now. Just kind of know what what makes them tick. Um, and I'm sure, you know, and when everything I heard about Bob as a manager, that's what the players loved him. Um, and the players can see through somebody who's fake, someone who cares about themselves and doesn't care about them as a person. Um, the plain, plain side is great. You're going to help a guy out. But, yeah, I mean, guys come in and talk to me about what's going on personally, what's going on in their life. And a lot of times I know already I kind of dive into that side um, with them. And I consider a lot of my friends, um, you know, I there's a there's a line there where they know it's manager Bob, but it's also I'm not talking about myself, manager yeah. Bobby. Um, and then also, you know, when it's time to play, it's time to play. But outside of that, 
I'll hang out with them all. I'll, I'll enjoy time with them and um, really get to know them. They know, I believe they know that I, that I truly care about them as a person. And if at baseball's their, you know, their passion, which it is for, for most of them, that's, that's what I really try to dive in on. How can I help them get to their goals of getting to the big league? So, yeah, but it's, it's more than just writing the lineup out. It's, it's really diving into who the person is and what, what makes that person tick. Well, I know how busy you are. I truly appreciate the time. You know, you're still a huge fan favorite around here. Every, all the A's fans still love you to death. So whenever we can have you, it's an absolute treat. Continued success, and let's talk later on during the season. I appreciate it, Tony. Sounds good. Take care, Bobby. All right, buddy, you too. Bobby Crosby, manager of Midland, the Rock Hounds. And as you hear it, so, so a guy played with at San Jose State is the agent, and we got it. Mark O'Brien, for people in the Bay Area baseball circles, you'll know Obi, uh, was the head coach at Santa Clara, longtime coach at Stanford, been to plenty of – he was called the mayor of Omaha at one point. He's been to the College World Series so many times with Stanford. Coach at San Jose State, uh, went to Sarah High School. I think he played at De Anza, but I played with him at San Jose State. So Mark O'Brien is a well, a lot of people know OB in the Bay Area circles, and he's now an agent, and he's got Denzel Clark. And he told us before the WBC, because we were going to try and get Denzel on on that, but once Denzel went to Team Canada, um, he's under Canadian control. We no longer (laughs) – we we no longer had jurisdiction. Yeah, uh, which makes sense totally, but it's good to see him. And some of the stuff that, like Bobby's saying, he's the best athlete he's ever seen. Ever. That's pretty incredible. This is a guy that played in big leagues. Ever. Like, what? We got to get Denzel on the program. I can can make that happen. But, yeah, I mean, look what he's saying. I mean, Daryl Hernandez, I remember I did a a minor league report that I do in the fifth inning. And the numbers, it just like – it stood out. I mean, at the time he was hitting like 360. I think he's hitting like 323 now. I'll get it for you in a second. But I was just like, I I couldn't believe it. Yeah, he's hitting 327 now. But it's like, you know, I was I was I was upset. Cole Irvin got traded. I think we all were. Cole was our guy. Cole was. I mean, we brought on Cole. We talked about life. We talked college football. Goat carding. He's a duck. You know, we I mean, we had a great time. Cole was a great interview. He was a cool dude. He's come on with us since uh being with the Orioles. Where is he now? I think he's still on the I think he's still on is the Is he? Club. I haven't seen him in the notes starting in a while. Uh let's see. How many games he's been in this year? Not a lot. Cole's been in nine games, seven starts. Yeah. So it was tough. And you're like Daryl Hernandez, I want to say this is off the top of my head. I want to say he was like the in the MLB top thirty for every team. He was like sixteenth. That's correct. Yes. Was it fifteen or sixteen? I think it was six. It was sixteen. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I wonder. I don't know where he's at um, in our. System. By the way, you want the brilliant move of the day? Uh, sure. So before the show, I like to drink coffee. And I got my notes here. I'm reading my notes. I got I got one of those ninjas. By the way, he's 14th in ours on ours. Top top prospects. 
So, yeah. I think he was like 16. Yeah, he was like 16 at Baltimore. Because the only reason why I remember that, going, we traded Cole Irvin for their 16th. Are you kidding me? Um, so, I put the coffee, set it up, hit brew. And I'm sitting there looking at the notes. I got about five minutes till the show starts. And I look over, and I hear this dripping noise. Forgot to put the cup. So, they have the, you know, you can put the, have you ever seen, you've seen the Ninja. Uh, so the, the big glass yeah, coffee yeah. thing, you're, you take it out, which I did, but I forgot to put the little thing down and put the cup on. So it was just going all over the counter. <laughs> so now you, now you actually got to go make one? or No, I, I only had a little bit because half of it was on the counter. And at the whole time we're, we're doing that, I got like four or five minutes before the show starts. Yeah, that's never a good, good mix. Yeah, that was bonehead move of the day. How many people... And this is very, very sad. But how many people altered their life yesterday forever with fireworks? Happens every year. Yeah. Emergency rooms. Jason Pierre-Paul. You have guys that have altered their lives, guys and gals who have altered their lives forever because of fireworks. I can tell you right now, I go to a, I go to a family party CVS, CVS has just reached out to me for the shingle shot. Is that something for people over 50 or is that for everyone? You're not supposed to tell my age. Everybody thinks I'm like 38. <laughs> yeah. You've only talked about it numerous times your age. Have I? <laughs> uh, shingles, I got to get a shingle. Hi, John. Shingle shot, huh? All right. All right. I didn't realize I got to do that. Okay. Um, I just I just don't want to get shot. Do you? I do them. I don't, I don't think I have to worry about shingles, though. By the way, you know, reports have come out. The more boosted you got, more likely you were to get COVID. Happened to me. Yeah. Both, How both many times. times did you get COVID? Both times after I got the booster. They're, 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 it's amazing what's coming out. Now, I I did what? Two or three shots? You did the first three. I have the, I have the newest, the most recent one. Also, I no, no, no. I only did two. You didn't do the booster? I don't think I did the booster. Oh, so I have all four. No, I went to Levi Stadium for. I had Pfizer. Same. So that's two. Yep. And then you know what? I got one at uh, Walgreens, so, so I would add a third. Yeah, you have the first. You had the first booster. How many you got? I have all four. <laughs> How many times you got COVID? Both times after I got the booster. <laughs> Yes, How I many d- times has your wife had COVID? Uh, she's had it. Uh, she's had it twice now. She's had it, and she's one of the original. As a nurse, she got the like the original. Yeah. yeah, both times we got it traveling, San Diego, and then yes, we got it on our honeymoon. But we honey, in- I've traveled. I haven't gotten it. I know. I'd- I've traveled a lot. Yeah, we got it in Iceland, uh, Ireland is when we got it. You've gotten it in foreign countries. You've gotten, you've gotten Europe COVID. Yeah, how many people could say they've done that? Yeah, yeah. how about that? Yeah. Uh, shingles to COVID shots. Where was I going? I have no idea. I have no idea either. Should we, should we break before Sarah comes on? Is that where we're at? Yeah. I'm just enjoying doing the show. It's been a while. Yeah, we've been off for a few days. What? When are we here for Friday? Oh, oh. People altering their oh, lives. Oh, fireworks. So, obviously, I work every 4th of July. So, I always show up to this family party that my family goes to, the Rushmeyers. And by the time I show up, everybody's pretty liquored up. All right, game's over. 
post game. Like I didn't get there last night till like almost eight o'clock. So can you imagine what the party was like? I, it this is in San Jose. It was like amazing the amount of fire. I, it was insane how many fireworks were going off. Bill Martin, uh, weather guy, had the whole thing of what Oakland looked like at oh, yeah. night with all the fireworks going off. Love fireworks. Who doesn't love fireworks? But how many people ended up in the emergency room? And how many people altered their lives forever? Uh-oh. Fireworks. I love watching them. I'm not I'm not the biggest fire them off guy, are you? Yeah, no. Uh, well, I can't. So You can't? Where am I going to shoot them off from in my apartment? My balcony? In the street like uh, everybody else? It's a, it's a busy street. Everybody else is doing it. I live across the street from the park. You would think it's an actual official sanctioned <laughs> firework park with how much fireworks go off across my You'll go if you go out from my house right now to the park, they've got all the stuff that's all burned up. But I mean it's high tech stuff and they're firing I mean, they're firing it. It's like a fire I don't have to go anywhere. I, mean, I go to this party, but I could stay, pull a lawn chair out in front of my house and just walk. I have a like a Unofficial fireworks show out in front of my house. Do you put a or do you put a cone in front of your house so it takes your parking spot? Is that what you do too? Or are you one of those guys? <laughs> so, no, I put the hot dog stand out and I wrap uh-huh. bacon around hot dogs and I sell it. Saw a lot of those at the uh, Quakes match on Saturday. Sarah Langs joins us next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend, and it is summertime. You want to look your best, and I can't tell you how excited I am. Commander Cody, we've got our new shipment from Link Soul, all the summer gear. So whether you're playing golf or you're going out for dinner, you're hanging out with your buddies, or you're going to the beach, go see our friends at LinkSoul.com. And right now they have an offer where you can get 20% off. Go to LinkSoul.com. Remember in the big leagues, look good, play good. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, yesterday, Lou Gehrig Appreciation Day at Yankee Stadium. July 4th, 1939, Lou Gehrig gave the famous speech. And yesterday at Yankee Stadium, our own Sarah Langs was honored at Yankee Stadium with, I'm sure, Lou Gehrig there with you. Uh, seeing the pictures with the skipper and Garrett Cole, your mother and father, uh, just what an unbelievable day it must have been for you and your family at Yankee Stadium. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, it was so powerful to be there on that day. As you said, on the 84th anniversary of that speech, we got a tour of the Yankee Museum. I They put one of Lou Gehrig's old hats on my head. The wow. museum curator did that. I was able to hold one of his old bats and to have that tangible connection was really, really incredible. And the Yankees did such a great job. I mean, this was part of their annual Hope Week, which is now... I believe it's gone on every year since 2009. And they choose members of the community to highlight different groups today. They're in Hinchcliffe Stadium in New Jersey. But the amount of thoughtfulness and energy and everything that goes into the day, the way that Jason Zillow and the rest of the Yankees put it together, it's just absolutely outstanding. And my parents, I mean, they both threw great pitches. I was so, <laughs> so happy for that. 
Yeah, yeah, when you think about the New York Yankees and how really big they are in American sports, I mean, we've talked about it for many years, as big as the NFL has gotten still, the Yankees are still the one team. You know, you can look at the NBA. A lot of people look at Lakers and Celtics, now the Golden State Warriors. I mean, football will be the Dallas Cowboys. But really in American sports, the New York Yankees, because they've dominated the eastern seaboard for so long, where most people live, they are such a big deal. And they just really show you the power that they have for good. And when you talk about the fight for ALS that you're a part of now, um, just talk about, you know, what the Yankees have been able to do for awareness and raising money. I mean, it was wonderful because it wasn't just me. And I made that clear to them when they reached out and said they wanted to honor me as part of Hope Week. I said, Okay, but I'm not the only young woman living with ALS right now. This is a group that people don't think of. People think of Lou Gehrig or even men who are older than that when they think of ALS. And they think a very important part with advocacy and awareness is for people to realize that this can strike absolutely anybody at any time. So there's a wonderful group I'm a part of called Her ALS Story, founded by a young woman named Leah Sabenhagen. And there are a handful of members in the Tri-State area. The Yankees were gracious enough to honor and host not just me, but I believe seven or eight other young women, all of whom were diagnosed under the age of 35. They were there. We were all out on the field, the Yankees took the field, gave us all blue and white roses. It was such a beautiful moment and really, really important to show from baseball, from Lou Gehrig's sport, and from his team, the acknowledgement and understanding that isn't just about people who look like Lou Gehrig. Every patient is equally important and deserves for this to be cured, but just to show physical, tangible evidence of other people, other people like me who are dealing with this, I thought was so important. And of course, I mean, everything they did, they all signed a baseball as the best shirt that is going to be auctioned off, signed by every member of the Yankees, and that money will go to Project ALS, one of the many research organizations that's helping to try to find a cure they also made a $10,000 incredibly uh, generous donation to Project ALS. So everything they did top to bottom was really, really well done. Again, not just from the monetary standpoint, which is very important to get money towards research, but also just the personal side, the thoughtfulness and the understanding of how do we show who people are with ALS and what they're living with right now. I think it's a great point because I, I, I would even say for myself, you always think of people who are older have ALS. You don't think of people who are younger. And that is such a great point and something that uh, yesterday was able to highlight that this is just not people who, let's say, are over 60. Exactly. Even Lou Gehrig was not your typical case. Your typical demographic, as you said, is 56 years old yeah. and a white male. But that is not everyone who is dealing with this disease. There's so many others. So to be able to highlight that, and I think 
and pronounced that game and it was a sold out crowd we love rain delay the story and i love summertime thunderstorm but after that there's forty thousand plus in the sand seeing all of us on the field hearing us recite Lugar's speech and just realizing how prevalent this really is as i've been saying so much since i shared this publicly in october it's not a rare disease it's an underfunded one so there's just something so wonderful about baseball as a whole on the go day and now the yankees in this really really special day being able to help show the world what als looks like and why we need to cure it for our audience to donate and help, there, there's there's quite a few that I've researched. Where would you like us to donate? Well, I love that you mentioned that because the truth is there's so many great organizations out there right now doing so many different things. There are great research organizations, one that I partner with a handful. It's called Project ALS another out of Boston called ALS-TDI, and of course, Mass General Brigham, the hospital is doing incredible work as well. There are other great organizations such as IMALS, which is purely focused on current patients and helping their quality of life. And of course, our great friend, Boog Shambi, works with Project Main Street, which is also solely focused on current patients and helping their quality of life. So I'd say to anyone who is interested, figure out what part of the disease means the most to you and means the most, whether it's helping those who are currently battling or helping the next generation. Anything that you can do is very, very much appreciated. And I would say that I always want people to make sure they're donating somewhere that really speaks to them. So do a Google search, read about a couple of different places, and decide what means the most to you. And, of course, you are still working tirelessly on the sport that you love, Major League Baseball. We're heading into the All-Star Game. What, what, what excites you? I mean, we're talking about because this is this is our last show, right? Well, I won't be here. So uh, this is my last show before the All-Star break. Uh, what excites you going to see, you know, the All-Star game, Pacific Northwest up in Seattle, uh, the best players in the world get together. What is What excites you about the All-Star game this year? I mean, what doesn't excite me? I love All-Star Week. I love the home run derby. I love the game. I love all of it. I'm really excited to see us have two rookies starting this year. Josh Young of the Rangers and Corbin Carroll of the Max. It's the first time each team, AL and NL, will have a rookie starting in the same year. But for me, the creme de la creme of the entire week is the Derby. I love it. It is the best of any exhibition kind of moment. And we have almost a full field now. I saw Luis Robert uh, announced earlier that he's going to be doing it. Really excited to see who the final name might be. But, I mean, we have Vlad Jr. who hit 91 home runs as a rookie back in Cleveland in 2019. We have Julio defending runner-up in his home ballpark. 
There's just so much to be excited for. And, you know, I loved when we found out the full reserves and pictures on Sunday. We saw all of these videos from teams about guys who are making it, them being told. And I'm thinking about Brent Rooker. I mean, that video, um, his reaction and the photos of him with his head in his hands. I mean, to everybody who says that, oh, you know, having every team have an ulcer keeps guys out. The rosters always work out for themselves. Their replacements, everything happens. And to anyone who thinks that we shouldn't be sending a guy from every team, I direct them to Ace Twitter. I direct them to the Tigers. I direct them to any of those teams and the way those guys react. And I mean, it means so much to these players to be able to go. They bring their family. The home run derby again has all those kids running around on the sidelines, my favorite part. And it's just such an amazing moment to celebrate baseball. So I'm so excited for everyone who made it, and I'm so excited to see how it all plays out. I remember years ago we first started seeing the gala you know, after they, you know, have home run derby, after they do all that kind of stuff, they, you know, have kind of have a party. ESPN used to, back when ESPN had baseball tonight, they would show a little bit of it. I love now how MLB Network actually makes a show out of it, a red carpet situation, and it kind of highlights. It's like baseball's finally catching on because they've been doing this for years in the NFL and having award shows and everything. It's like this is actually very, very smart. Can't wait to see it. And, you know, I just a uh, little bit worried about some of the guys who've gotten hurt. I mean, now Mike Trout with the hamate bone, that's mm-hmm. never good. Shohei Otani leaving the mound yesterday in San Diego with the with the nail and the blister and everything. It was hard to believe how many guys were falling like flies yesterday down in San Diego for the Angels. I know. Of course, to be a handful of uh, hours, right? It was. Yeah. Trout going on the IL, Rendon, and then Otani leaving that game, which is just such a bummer to see. I mean, this is, I believe, third straight year now where Trout has been voted in as the starter but not able to play because of injury. He's amazing. I mean, none of that is anything against him. And you guys know, I mean, whenever you see I get hit on the hand, my heart just drops, and it happened with Tyro Estrada for the Giants uh, in New York, I believe, on Sunday Baseball. He was hit by a pitch, and I immediately said outside to myself, oh, my gosh, he just broke his hand. Yeah. And lo and behold, the same thing had happened. So you hope that he gets back soon for Trav, but I hope I haven't seen whether he's still going to attend the events, but I hope he does because everyone wants to see his adorable little son, uh, bat right B A T or his initials, which was purposeful. And I love seeing how the families enjoy everything. So I hope we get to see him on that uh, truck or car, whatever it is, for the red carpet show, as you mentioned. But certainly for the Angels, it's a tough spot. All right, your Mets. I'm looking at it right now. 39 and 46, even though they've won three in a row, 18 games back. I mean, the Braves are so, so good. That is, the Mets had a tough June. There's no way around that. I believe they had 13 games in June. 
they helped the lead and ended up losing the game, most of the majors in the month of June. But so much of that is about how good the Braves are. And I think they really deserve to hear that. I mean, this is a team that leads the majors and runs scored in any inning. And their run scored is in the first inning. Their first inning performance across the board. Run scored, hits, home runs, run differential, you name is leading the majors, and it's because of Ronald Acuna Jr., who's already with 20-plus homers, 40-plus stolen bases, and it's July 5th, and they haven't played yet today. So having him starting those innings for them, starting every game, has been so powerful for an offense that has really, truly been relentless. It really does put the Mets, the Phillies, and the Marlins, who have stuck around, in a really tough spot, but I mean, all props to the Braves for being such a dominant team yet again. All right, so uh, I guess if we're running the team and you got, I mean, you can have the owner come out and have the press conference and you can have Seaver the dog and you can do all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, there's some tough decisions to be made. And, and to be honest with you, Sarah, there's some tough decisions to be made with a lot of teams, right? I mean, I can look at the Boston Red Sox at 43 and 43. I can look at the San Diego Padres at 40 and 46. Teams that have talent that the percentages tell you you're not going to be in the postseason unless something miraculous happens. So if they were to call you their GMs and say, what do I do? Would it be smart to unload some guys, to bring in prospects, to, to, to get lower salary going, to maybe get under the thresholds? Like, 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 what do you do if you're the Mets and you're the Red Sox and you're the Padres, you're some of these teams? Would you recommend for them to maybe wave the white flag, trade, and lower some salaries? Well, this is one of those moments where I'm yet again glad that I don't have to make those <laughs> decisions. And I instead get to react to them. But I do think we're going to see an interesting kind of confluence of two things over the next uh, almost month, three weeks or so here. Because the new postseason forum, which we saw last year, definitely makes seem to believe rightfully so or not, that there is a little bit more hope left. Where you are sitting on July 5th is maybe a little bit brighter of a possibility than it was in prior postseason formats. But then you have the fact that even still, does that mean you're primed for a long run? Does that really mean that you're going to get him? And I think the team you mentioned are kind of all in different spots, swiping in very similar records. I mean, the Red Sox are in a division that is going to finish as the best division in baseball history. A bad division to have at least five teams in it. They're absolutely, as a whole, crushing the competition, the overall win percentage, the win percentage as the division, which, of course, you board games up now is really, really high. The Red Sox, unfortunately, probably cannot make up all of that ground. With all of those teams ahead of them, the Yankees, even without Aaron Judge, are up there. You have the Blue Jays, you have the Orioles, and of course the Tampa Bay Rays. So, to me, the Red Sox are in the spot where it would make sense to make some of those trades 
anyone who has a year or two left of control uh, on short contracts, measuring the on short contracts. To me, the Padres are the team that I still think can get it together. I know that they haven't quite been there yet, but there's so much talent on that team. The way Blake now looked in June, the fact that Juan Soto is having another great year, Xander Bogarts is so good. Tatis has been really, really good. To me, that Padres team could still potentially do it. So I'm not sure I would be ready to tell them to make that trade, but I do think from the mess, they have a handful of veterans who would make sense to see what you can get for them. Well, thank you so much for coming on the program. It was so great that you had such a special day yesterday with everybody that was involved, especially your parents. The, the pictures and the videos were absolutely beautiful. Enjoy the all-star game. Enjoy all the festivities. We love you, and we'll talk to you after the break. Thank you so much. Have a great all-star break, and great to see you. Goodbye, Sarah. The great Sarah Langs right here from MLB.com. God, she's so special, and uh, I'm so glad you can read all about it. Just uh, type in Sarah Langs to Google and also places, as you mentioned, uh, she mentioned where you can donate at such a young age to, to, to have ALS, this disease that um, you know the diagnosis and what happens, and it's so sad, and she's so special in the baseball community, and it's been amazing how many people – have honored her and reached out to where the Yankees did it with her family yesterday. And, you know, July 4th, 1939 is the date of the famous Lou Gehrig speech. And, you know, our thoughts and prayers always go with with, with Sarah, but she doesn't want us. She wants us to talk baseball. She is not stopping working. She's working as much as she was before. She's a grinder. So when she's on, we're going to talk some baseball. And I think it's an interesting question about how do you run your business? Because we want to, we want to, we want to think of this as team. Get in. Anybody gets in, you have a chance. Well, okay, but if you were running a business and you said, "Listen, you've got this really, really, really small percentage that you might be able to 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 make something happen for the rest of the year for your business," or you make some decisions that could really make you a much healthier business in the next few years. Do you risk, do you take that gamble for the small percentage for hopefully something big, but it's a real small percentage versus doing some things that will make you, so from a business standpoint, healthier and more profitable for the next few years down the road. What do you do? Now, the average fan is, unfortunately, not a business person and thinks, ah, you always go for it, go for it. But that's not always smart. You have to look at it from a business standpoint. You want to go for it if you're really Boston at 43 and 43 with really no chance? The Fangraphs has their playoff odds at 14.5%. Like, you're going to risk at 14, 14 and a half? What, what do they got the Padres? Uh, Bob Melvin and the Padres, their playoff odds are at 28.4%. I mean, how much do you want to risk? 
Now the Padres kind of have to because they're all in, and AJ Preller. It's basically now you start. Okay, who's secure? Who's not? You know, who's going to sell their jobs? Like the Chicago White Sox are just in town. They have to make moves. That is, I mean, we didn't report it because we're not trying to make noise. But there was a fight inside the. I don't even know if you know this. No, there was a three point three percent for the White Sox. There was a fight inside the White Sox clubhouse. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. After that loss. On Saturday, there was a fight in their clubhouse after the game. I knew about it. I'm not on Twitter as a – I'm not looking to break any news. We're not looking to do that. But it's just like there's certain things that is smart. And right now, if you're – if you kind of see the playoffs, like you look out there and you can kind of see it, is are you going all in right now with so many teams? Well, you know, you know the you know, the the fan will say yes. You got to do it. It's a chance to win a championship. But are you? Do you really? Do you really have a chance? Or is it smart? Look around your roster and say, where's the fat? Where can I trim the fat? And where can that fat help produce future gain for me? Because right now, you look at some of these teams. They've got some fat. They got some fat that they could get rid of. I'll give you the best example. There's a team with the 19.8% playoff odds entering today. Well, I'll give you. You want best example of fat? I saw it on the mound yesterday. Best example of fat that if you could off this guy for really your future, were you watching the game in the Valley of the Sun? No. Can't say I I did. Corbin Carroll's fun to watch, by the way. Corbin Carroll. I oh like my him. God, he is he is a he's having a nice little he, nice little start to his career. They should nickname him the Tasmanian Devil. He's that little guy that can do it all. Like everybody who plays baseball, there's that guy in the league that you play with that he's not the biggest dude, but he's small and powerful. He's like kind of like Bip Roberts, except more power. That's how Bip was, like a small guy that can flat-out rake, he can run, he can play defense, he can do anything. And I can tell you, as a pitcher, you hate pitching against this guy because he has no strike zone, right? Short guy's got no strike zone. But when you're short and you got power, Rafael Furcal was that guy. Like, you look at the, like a dynamo. That's Corbin Carroll's a lot of fun to watch. Max Scherzer's that guy. Max Scherzer's up there throwing 93. Max Scherzer still pitches like he's this extreme power pitcher. Yeah, he gets some strikeouts, but I just don't see it anymore. And you and you saw it last year in the playoffs where the Padres literally just te- – wait, you're going to go up there against a quality big league lineup in the postseason and pump 93 at guys? They are going to crush you unless you've got movement, your breaking stuff's nasty. I don't – I'm just not sure what – Max Scherzer at forty million is still and no, I mean Max Scherzer's a great player. I mean, he's, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. I mean, he's he's had a great career, but Scherzer, if I could dump Scherzer and his money and get something for him at this point, like like yesterday, I was he he was lucky. He had the bases loaded, walked a guy in, then got out of it. Still, gave up six. He at least went six, but he went six. Four Ernie's. He's got a four oh three ERA. The perfect team to trade him to is a team that he that he played that he pitched against last night. 
I mean, if you could, if you could get Arizona or anybody to give you some prospects, and just get the, you know, because as much as we love talking about they're spending money, look, they're going for it. Well, it it take the Dodgers. It literally blanks you. It blanks you because over time, the more you're the Giants have experienced it, the more you're over these thresholds, they start hitting your draft picks. The fines are, you know, whatever the taxes you got to pay, but you got you start getting hit with your international pool money. You got to get start getting hit with your draft picks. You do not want to live over the tax threshold year after year after year. And if you're out of it and you got a guy like Max Scherzer making 42, 43, I'm guessing it's right around in there. Yeah, it's somewhere in there. Get rid of that. See, this is the last year of his deal. Get rid of that money. Just get rid of it and get. I you start looking around, guys. You could cut off the Mets. You think about guys you get rid of of the Red Sox, Padres. Like I said, I don't think you're going to do it, but that would be smart. I mean, I mean, man, if you could unload somebody, I'm just saying. I get it from a fan standpoint. We want to see you always go for it. Well, there's times where you're looking at it and you're going. This might be the time to cut some of the fat, get younger, and get a little cheaper. Yeah, the, the one I was getting up the 19.8% playoff odds is the Angels. And, uh, well, Trout's hurt. Uh, R- Shocker, Rendon's hurt again. And uh, Shohei Otani is a blister. Did you hear blister. about Rendon? Well, I just know he fouled a ball off his leg. And Rendon left the ballpark on crutches. Oh, boy. Yeah. Dude, San Diego was not, you know. It wasn't a good. Everybody talks about San Diego as a fun little place to go. I mean, obviously, I grew up there. It's a nice, nice city, great city. Um, not for the Angels. No. In less than 24, it wouldn't even be less, not even close to 24 hours. Cause it was a night and a day game. Yeah. You lost Trout, Otani, and Rendon like that in a matter of like, I don't know, 14 hours. So the question is, what do you do if you're the Angels? I already and told Otani? you what you should do. You guys don't want to listen to me. I love the I love the argument is if you trade him now you can, you, won't, you might not be able to resign him in the offseason. I don't think he was going to sign there anyway. If you if he's gone, if he's gone, if Shohei Otani is gone, you either write it out where the odds are against you, or you dump him right now to get as much as you possibly can for him, because. Okay. Once the last game of the year hits and the season's over, he's no longer your guy anymore. And he can go anywhere he wants. And you've had all this time. I mean, we don't know what the negotiations are. We don't know what they're talking about with it. Who represents him? Not Scott Boris. Uh, who does represent Show? So you've talked with his representatives. If you don't think you can sign him, also, right. happy birthday, Shohei, 29 today. If Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. I said this yesterday on the – CAA Sports. I said this yesterday on the postgame show, and, and I'll stick with it. What time are we doing, Rook? Uh, 2.30. So, after after we're done here, we'll take – God, we're just cruising today. Yeah. We, we, like we don't have enough time. We have to be off before 3, too, because pregame's at 3. Um, I think this is fair to say. Shohei Otani is not the best player to have ever played in baseball. Stop. that. That's just way too early. He's the best skill set we have ever seen. He, by far, is the best skill set we have ever seen. When you take his height, his speed, his power, his intelligence, then his ability to throw and be a pitcher, it's the best skill set. Now, the pitcher thing, I'm always sensitive to because 
He is helped out by modern technology. I, I if we're gonna if we're just gonna throw him at the front of the the front of the line without looking at the yesteryear guys, Otani wouldn't wouldn't be pitching. He'd be done because he had to have Tommy. Anybody that's had Tommy John surgery, stop with the greatest of all time because if he pitched in a yesteryear, his career would be over. But before I'm gonna put him in front of Hank Aaron or Barry Bonds. Or whoever Ted Williams, he's got to play a long time. That's why I'm safe saying he's the greatest. Shohei Otani is the greatest skill set we have ever seen, hands down. But he's 29, and he's got years left to put up big numbers. Years, and already, what are we seeing? This is not. And thank God for Shohei Otani. This is not ligament damage, or we're looking at show. It's a blister and a nail, but. My criticism of Otani, whenever I've criticized him, everybody wants to come down my road. As a pitcher, I don't get enough starts. As a hitter, he's amazing. He's amazing. He, he, he is on pace, like I think, the break or tire judges record. Yeah, well, scouts thought he wouldn't be able to hit at this level. That, that's How true. are those scouts? Uh, but the pitching, it's like there's always, you know, and his pitching last year was hell on wheels when they were out of it. The whole pitching thing, he's amazing. He's a great pitcher. I'm not going to take anything away. It's just – and that's where the whole value thing comes in. Like, how much are you going to get out of him long term? I mean, how much are you going to get out of him long term as a pitcher? And He's about to be 29. But getting back to the big thing is the Angels. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah, I, I'm on. I'm in the camp if you trade him. But that's well, me. you don't have to trade anybody. No, but, I mean, it's, but it's you're, trying like, to build, you're trying to build for the future. I have a house. I got a killer house. I can put it on the market. I can get all the bids I want, and I can decide. I can let everybody do a walkthrough, which is annoying because you got to get out of the house, and everybody's going to do a walkthrough. You know, all your stuff is still in the house. But I'd let everybody walk through. I'd take the bids and then evaluate. I'd at least, I would at least. Entertain. Entertain. I mean, how'd you, I mean, you've had the opportunity to re-sign him. You know, Perry Manassian, is he just the general manager? Is he executive VP? I, no, I think I think he's VP. Just, I think he's just the, uh, the head the, of. I think he's just a GM. Is he just a G, he's just a GM? I know. Uh, it's you know what? I'm you go to you type in their front office, and he's probably not going to be on the front page. Oh my god! They got more. V- yeah. Nope. Nope. Just the general thirteenth general manager and Angels history. All right. He's just the GM, Perry Manassian. So I I would entertain, throw it out there. I mean, are you are you are you worried about hurting Shohei Otani's feelings? If he's worried about the feelings, bro, we want to sign you. What do we got to do? Oh, you don't want to do it. Oh, you just want to you want to you want to lump us into this bidding process that's going to happen in the offseason? Do you want to do that? I mean, if you're the Angels, yeah, I want to do it because the guy's worth, but will he pick us? Well, you always have to do what's best for your business long term. What's best for the business long term? I had this conversation with drunk people last night at July 4th with a bunch of A's fans. And they're asking me a bunch of questions, you know, and 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 a rate and a reality. Here, here's here's a reality, and I know this is highly unpopular, and I brought it up before, and actually, you know, people ripped me on message boards. But um, teams that message boards, it's not something I've heard in a while. T, t yeah, there's still there's still ones out there. Uh, uh, 
<laughs> teams that just go out and sign big contracts and have guys long term, are those the teams that have sustainability? Not that we've seen late recently. Nope. Bob Houston's deals are smaller. Jim Crane said it as the confetti was flying down. Astros are the champions. He was asked about a dynasty, and he said, we've got a five-year contingency plan to replace anybody here. He can replace anybody within five years. Sorry, sorry, doing it. <laughs> they don't have a long-term plan with anybody. Everybody, everybody can be moved. Rays, everybody can be moved. Oakland, we've always we don't keep any money. You can't buy a jersey. Okay, you can buy a jersey for some teams, and they they can't stand. You want to buy a Miguel Cabrera jersey? You hey, great. You had a you could buy a, You got thirty two million going to a guy that's old and terrible. How about John Carlos Stanton Yankee? No, oh. the Padre deals. I mean, what's it going to look like when you got Machado at 37 and you got all Bogart. these Bogarts at 38 and you're paying these guys? I mean, it's it's going to be horrific. It's like, what? Would you rather win or do you just want to have a player under contract long term? I mean, obviously you'd like to have both. I get it. I, I, I get the fan standpoint of having one guy to call your guy. But it doesn't mean – Flexibility is the name of our sport. I mean, look at the – okay, if you think I'm a kook, all right, I'm such a kook, I'm going to go to the standings. Let's see. Name me the long-term contracts on Tampa Bay. Wander Franco. That's the only one. Name me the long-term contracts on Baltimore. There isn't one I don't, that I can think of. Well, those are your number – if Sarah Lang just said this is a historic division, they're number one and number two in this historic division. Not the Yankees, not the Blue Jays, and not the Boston Red Sox. It's the teams with the lower payrolls and flexibility are number one and number two in the AL East. See, now my mind's racing on who the biggest deal is on Baltimore. Not Chris Davis. Well, Chris Davis. I mean, they might, they might, they might be. Yeah, I think they're still paying a bit. Yeah, Currently, look at Chris Davis. They were finally just said, "Get out of here. Walk. You're terrible." Yeah, I, 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 uh, I mean, a lot of their pitchers are on one-year deals, like Gibson and I. And Wander, 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 Franco, 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 Franco. Uh, his deal's cheap. It's like thirteen for one eighty or something like it's that. It's cheap, but whatever. They don't do it. You want to be smart in this game? Houston Astros, six straight years have been in the ALCS, four World Series appearances, two World Series titles, and their owner has said, "We're loyal to nobody." On national television. Fact. We're loyal to nobody. We can place anybody. Any, look around. Any of these guys probably won't be here in five years. But we've we've been a fan base that sits around and complains that we, we can't sign all these guys long term. And by the way, who would be the one player that would have been a good investment long term? Yeah, we went over this. There really isn't one. Matt Olson? Maybe. We don't know. Yeah. That's about it. Who? I know people still go, Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray was awful in, oh, yeah. in New, York New York and okay in Cincinnati. He wasn't worth it. Chapman, no. No. Tejada? No. Giambi? No. M- Big Murph is only doing – Big Murph is in a you're, very you're, good lineup. You're, you're, but these are these are right now. We're talking long term. We don't know. I mean, what if Murph goes back to hitting 220 next year? Donaldson, no. Donaldson, no. Cespedes, God, no. 
God. Now, remember, everybody wants Cespedes on a long-term deal. Cespedes train wreck gets hurt on his farm. The only one I can think of maybe would be, like, Tim Hudson. Tim Hudson had Tommy John surgery. He was still good after, though. Yeah. He's the only one. But was that a good investment? Uh, no. I mean, they helped Giants win World Series. Were, were Giants paying him big money? No. No, no there was Atlanta. But you wanted to pay him big money. Oh, how about, I mean, the big three – uh, Zito was a train wreck in San Francisco, except for the 2012 second half and postseason. Yeah. Mulder went immediately and got hurt, was never the same. Then he was out of baseball. I mean, seriously, all the people that complain about when you're signing people, I mean, Miguel Tejada lied about his age and was on PEDs. Yeah. It's great. I love Miggy. I mean. Had a nice year with the Orioles where he had over 200 hits, too. But we're talking long term. Long term investment means the guy needed to be good for the, the contract. Who would have been that guy? Yeah, there hasn't been one. People are going to argue and say, "No, you're wrong. These are the guys that should have been," and it's all the guys we named. Are we missing anybody? Yeah. How many of those guys won in the Winter World Series besides Hudson? Not. I'm more looking at the. Yeah, let's look at Tim Hudson. Maybe. We're getting close on Rooker here. Okay, Hudson. Let me just go to Tim Hudson real quick. Because it wasn't like Tim Hudson broke the bank. Yeah, he was a $9 million a year guy in baseball. <laughs> uh, as I say, uh, the game was different back then. Yeah, I mean, he was like, he, he got two years of 15, that's 9, 9, 9, 9. Yeah, you know what? Tim Hudson in an A's uniform for $9 million a year, take it. It's pretty, it's, that's actually, that's what we call a steal. Yeah, that's a steal. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. I mean, long-term investments, how many of the guys that – but yet people hate it, but, you know, 12, 13, 14, 18, 19, 20, you're in the postseason. Yeah. Fair. Right? Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen now. Now is a little bit different, but, you know, those, those are – I covered all those years. I covered the bad years and the good years, and, you know, there's quite a few good years by not paying people long-term contracts. Can you imagine the Mets have the highest payroll in the history of baseball, and they're 18 games back? That's brutal. That's not good. <laughs> uh, Brent Rooker, obviously, the, the the speech by Mark Hotze was special. If you got to see it on social media, it, it uh, tells you a lot about our game, how hard it is. The manager who played a long time knows how hard it is. The players in the clubhouse know how hard it is. The team right now is 24 and 63. It's a tough season. Brent Rooker, we're going to talk. We taped this so I can tell you we're going to address the fact that, I mean, this guy made the roster the night before. Yeah. There was a decision that had to be made Rooker or Pache. They went Rooker. And he had a great start. His first month was unbelievable. The last 40 games have been a struggle, but. Uh, Brent Rooker has been an unbelievable story. Here is your all-star for 2023. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, it is your 2023 all-star representative for the Oakland Athletics. Brent Rooker is joining us. By the way, Brent, how does that sound? It sounds good to me, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it's something I probably never would have expected to hear, but it's exciting nonetheless. And, uh, yeah, I like, I like the way it sounds for sure. You know, when we talked to you after you made the team, we were on the field, 
And we were talking about it was emotional because for you, spring training meant so much to have a great spring training. You basically made the roster on the last day. This was huge for your career to finally get a chance to show people you can play at that level. We talked about all of that at the beginning of the year, and now we're sitting here talking about you're an all-star. So if that was emotional to make the team, how emotional was it now to make the all-star team? Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty crazy. Um, you know, like I said, going through spring training, just just fighting every day, competing, trying to make a team. This is this is something that wasn't really in the realm of possibility for me. So it, it's been pretty cool to to kind of go out and even surpass my own expectations of myself and be able to, to be able to achieve this is, is awesome. And I definitely got emotional when I got the news. That's for sure. No doubt. And and just take us through the experience of Mark Kotze with that great speech because that speech was all about honoring you. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I appreciated the way Kat said that and, and the message that he had. It meant a lot to me. I come from a guy who is with so much bigger experience who kind of um, obviously had the shape of his career was a little different than mine, but he knows the grind of going out there and being a, being a big leaguer every day and playing every day, trying to compete and produce. So um, having it come from him and the way he delivered it um, meant a lot to me. You know, we always think about who's the first phone call. So once once all of that ends, like the speech and you find out and you kind of gather yourself and then you're going to like, I, I assume, grab the phone and go somewhere. Who did you call first? I called my wife first and then um, I called my mom right after her. So that was kind of the order of things. And my dad was with my mom, so that's kind of a a one phone call kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I called my wife immediately and then from there I went and called my parents. Yeah, it, it's and it's so different these days. You know, years ago, there was basically a ballot. People would fill out the ballot. So either the fans picked you or the manager of the team picked you. What was that like knowing that it was your peers who picked you? Yeah, I think that makes it, um, you know, even that much more special, knowing that, um, you know, that the guys I'm competing against day in and day out, um, that I've kind of earned their respect and, and gone out and played in a way that impressed them. Um, sufficiently to make that decision. I think that was very cool and definitely a cool way to get in for sure. You know, you got out to such a hot start, and that's what really put you on the map. And it, it's so hard to maintain that because you were on a pace. I mean, my God, you would have set the home run record, all, all that kind of stuff. But just talk about, you know, after that hot start, just the day-to-day grind because now you kind of got a target on your back. Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, I had a really good first six weeks there or so. Um, and, you know, since then, I've been trying to make adjustments and, and just go out there and compete and continue to learn and continue to improve because, you know, the league makes adjustments to you. Pitchers change the type of stuff they're throwing at you. Um, they change sequences on you at the same time. You know, maybe your swing starts not feeling well so or feels good. So that's kind of the one thing I'm – or one of the things I'm learning this year being my first time, you know, being up here full time and, and playing a lot is just how um, – you know, how many ups and downs there are at this level. And, and, the, and the, uh, the key is just trying to stay as level-headed as you can, which is difficult at times. But um, it's been a challenge for me. It's, it's, been a, it's been a fun thing to try to learn and figure out um, as well. Yeah, and I know it's uh, at one point, man, you were exhausted. Like, it's tiring, right? I mean, when you're trying to do it every day, it's just not all the physical work you put in, but it's the mental aspect that which is also so tough. For sure. Um, for sure. There's a mental and, and emotional side to it as well, you know, going out there and, and – and, and really be and just trying to compete and trying to beat the best pickers in the world day in and day out. Um, you know, it gets mentally tiring and going through some of those struggles of failures gets emotionally tiring as well. So, um, you know, you just got to kind of sit back and, and, and do, your, do, do as good a job as you can, um, handling those, those different times, those different experiences, because, you know, it's all part of it. And if you want to 
you want to be the type of player that, you know, that I want to be, um, it's all things you got to experience and be able to conquer and go through. You know, when I think about veteran leadership, just talk about how some of the older guys have really helped you through this entire process. Yeah, it's been huge. We've got a ton of great guys in that clubhouse. Guys have been around the league a while, guys who've had success in the league. And, and just talking to them, learning how they go through their, their day-to-day business, you know, whether they're going good, going bad, um, you know, whether they're on a hot streak or kind of struggling at the plate, um, just being able to gain advice from them and kind of hear some of their experiences has helped me for sure. So going through this, now that, you know, where you are in your career, at some point people are going to be looking at you. How do you think this is going to help you now become a better leader? Yeah, um, I think, you know, going through these different, like, like I said, these different spells, these different experiences haven't been really hot, haven't been, you know, kind of cold, haven't been somewhere in the middle, haven't been in the place where I'm trying to figure some things out. Um, you know, all those experiences lead you to help guys down the road because everybody that gets through this league and, and stays in this league for any kind of any kind of time at all is going to go through all those periods. So just having, having, having that experience and having it under my belt, um, you know, kind of lends me to be able to help some guys down the road. Yeah, and how and and how have you been able to help some of the young players? Because there's no question you got you got some young players, especially in the outfield around you. Yeah, um, you know I have I've got some of the experience you know, going up and down. We've got some guys kind of on that ride um, right now this season who you know be up here for a while and then maybe get auction and come back up later down the road. And I've done that before, so that's kind of one area that I'm able to talk talk with them through and kind of help them um, you know keep their mind right and keep their mind um, ready to come back up here and compete whenever they're called on. Now, have you thought about the moment that you're going to show up in Seattle and you're going to go into the locker room and you're going to be in that clubhouse with the greatest players in the world and the biggest names? Have you thought about what that's going to be when you walk in and you're amongst the best of the best? I have, for sure. And it feels surreal now. I can only imagine what it's going to feel like at that time. Um, You know, walking in there, seeing all the jerseys hanging out seeing different guys just hanging out um you know all guys that i've looked up to or and i've i've, I've admired and I've, I've tried to learn from um you know from afar without ever even um having met them but watch them play watch them hit trying to learn as much as they can it's gonna be a pretty cool experience yeah you're gonna have a red carpet experience you gotta have the you gotta have the right brent, brent you gotta have the right suit you gotta get everything rolling for this for, for this shindig that's right. Yeah, I got the I got the suit taken care of, so hopefully, um, you know, be looking good out there, having a good time with the red carpet and doing all the doing all the stuff. Let's end on this. Obviously, mathematically, we're in the second half, but there is something about the All Star break where everybody goes away, and then all of a sudden we kind of look. Okay, here we go. You got the rest of July into August and September. Uh, when when you start thinking about the second half, what do you think about goals for yourself? What you'd like to see from yourself in the second half? Man, I think this kind of just continue to improve. I think I've learned a lot this first half. Um, I think I've I've taken a lot of things that I'm going to be able to apply, um, you know, for the rest of my career, whether it's mental stuff or or emotional stuff or physical stuff, you know, swing wise. But I'm just looking to go out there. I'm looking to improve the second half. I'm looking to learn as much as I can, like I've said all year. Um, and just ultimately just keep taking strides to become the best possible player that I can be. Well, you know, when we talk about role models, you know, it's 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 easy to be a role model when you're somebody that it, everything works out early for you and then through an entire career. But I think what I've experienced in my career, I think everybody listening and for all the kids that are going to listen to this, I think you're a great example of what perseverance, hard work, what it means to never give up, to still be that guy, to have that dream, to battle every day. You're living proof 
that hard work and persistence definitely pays off. So you should be very proud of yourself because you're a great model, not only for a lot of adults who are A's fans, but also for to a lot of kids. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you for saying that. That means a lot. Hey, you take care. Enjoy every moment. I mean, every moment of it. And we'll see you in the second half. Will do. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. How cool is that? Brent Brooker, man. Talk about, you know, what we can learn from players. You don't give up. You just you essentially play until they rip the uniform off you. You just you 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 Cody bring it to A's cast before we rip until we rip the headset off of you. That's true. I'm excited. I'll see Brent. Well, I won't be at the All-Star game, but I'll be at All-Star weekend. So I'm, I was going to say I'm going to see Sarah up there. Sarah's going to Seattle, so, so I'll see her in person. You're going to go to Home Run Derby. I'm going to the Futures game. Those tickets cost nine dollars. So my friends and I are going to that. It's nine bucks. <laughs> we bought, well, they were we bought them on StubHub, so we got them for like nine bucks. So yeah. five five of us are going. Great ballpark. And then we're going to the Home Run Derby. Those were a little more expensive, but how much was Home Run Derby? Like two fifty a person. Really? It's not bad. I mean, it's still not bad. Two fifty to watch just same home run juice baseballs and home runs over and over again. Yeah, and we don't even know who's the. F- I'm still waiting to see who the last contestant is. Luis Roberts now the seventh one. You know him as Ro- Luis Robert. Uh, yes, you 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 can you convince me he's a French Cuban. Uh, by the way, on MLB the Show, <laughs> I Robert Poisson. I play on there. Uh, uh, Book Shami calls him Robert Poisson. Robert Poisson the. Cute, the he's not cute. My, he's Dominican. Yes, that we gave five point one million to. Can he play an A ball? And Bookshop, how did you get? How did you get him onto the MLB the show? He's on someone. He was on the roster. Are you serious? Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's random. Well, I mean, they're looking for guys that they name value. So, um, but yes, I'll are be, you going to go to the red carpet show? Uh, no, my my friend, literally, you've met Matt. He has a literally a whole itinerary for what he wants us to do while we're there. Like, dude, what are we doing? We're in our 30s. I don't need an itinerary to walk around Seattle. I've been there before. Are you guys going to party? Yeah, but, like, they like, you know, like, Saturday, 10 a.m., Space Needle. Oh, no, no, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, so he's, he's – That's every- a bad way to I, – I got some places for you to go in Seattle. Uh, we also – yeah, we have a – But you're not a seafood guy. Yeah, well, I'm the only one. No, no, I'm not. There's, a, there's another person that's eating seafood either. But. All right, do you like, do you like uh, Japanese food? Uh, yes. Behind home plate is a great at it. Uh, I call it Safeco. You call it T-Mobile. Right behind home plate is a great Japanese place. Okay. They've got by far. I, I y- there's no way you can tell. There's 30 teams in Major League Baseball, correct? There's still 30. Yeah. Uh, last time I checked. There is no question. Seattle has the best food. It's not even close. It's not even close. I was disappointed because I, I I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I've always had the weird fascination with trying the fried grasshoppers but i don't think they do that anymore well they still have the lobster sandwich out in left center which is to die for don't they have the but e- that's not your your don't cup they have tea. something called the eat your roll too uh that, that, telling you they've got every kind of food they've got this one killer bar it's this awesome down the left field line and it just overlooks all the field they got a killer I, bar I've been with to, food. this is my second time i've been to t-mobile before. they've got food and bars and that, that to, to me i i Safeco's T-Mobile, they're, it's tough to beat as, as, from ballpark standpoint. It's a, it's a legit area. It's awesome, the park, but everything in the park, the food, and the way they did it, and all the different open areas and places that you can watch the game. It's a tough – it's a tough – I mean, you're in Seattle, so it's always gloomy, but 
You'll have a good time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Dude, you're a bunch of guys. You're going to the Space Needle. You haven't been to the Space Needle I have, yet? My, but my friends haven't. Why would you go to the Space that, Needle? They all want to do it. They want to do touristy things. Like, sure. but That's stuff you do with your wife. I've done that with my wife. No offense <laughs> to everybody out there. But no, I'm looking forward to Futures game, seeing Seattle, uh, seeing Sarah, and Seattle will be cool. Home run derby, all that. But, yeah, we got to go. We got Ace Total Access brought to us Chevron. Well, you have fun at the All-Star game. Thank you. It'll be a great time. Uh, I'll, I'll be, report back on the prospects. I'll be here tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm doing TV, and I'll do some radio with you. And then I'm starting my All-Star break on Friday. Uh, not that. Just going to be gone for a few days. And then we'll be back for the second half when I want some young players. Give me Geloff. Give me Soderstrom. I've heard Lawrence Butler. The manager said, Bobby Crosby, Lawrence Butler can play right now in the big league. Let's go. Ace Total Access. Right? Yes. Ace Total Access brought to you by? Chevron. It's coming up next. We'll get you ready for Ace Baseball. Thank you for watching Ace Cast Live. We want to thank the great Sarah Langs, Brent Rooker, the all-star, and one of our all-time. And Bobby Crosby, the best. I love Bobby. Absolutely love Bobby Crosby. Thank you for watching Ace Cast Live. It's summertime, and I can guarantee you, you probably need to redo your wardrobe. You, you want to look good, and you want to feel comfortable. This is Chris Townsend, and you got to go check out my friends at Link Soul. They've got all the finest fabrics. You're going to love the shirts, the polos, the shorts, you name it. Redo your look for summertime. Go to LinkSoul.com right now, and you can get an offer for 20% off. Remember, in the big leagues, to play good, you got to look good. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.